Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Buzz Podcast. Thanks for joining us. My name is Father Daniele, and I'm joined by Josh Sullivan. And Hello. we welcome back Brian Sullivan. Brian, you're with us for a second part as we continue to, the conversation. We're talking about the charisms of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about a bunch of things. And you're sort of an expert on that uh, <laughs> just because of your own personal prayer and your role with uh, Caris, which is a, a national service of communion in Canada, right? So we're going to continue the conversation that we started uh, last, week. last week, and uh, we're just going to keep talking about it. it. Doesn't When you go to a parish, you know, even if you're just visiting, you can sense that. You, you can sense know it a parish that's alive and and tapping into people's charisms and a parish that's just sort of functioning as a a, 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 a location yeah. to receive the sacrament right yes um yes. so if someone is listening today and they are reflecting on their own parish experience and they themselves are interested in discovering their own charisms of the holy spirit and doing that for other people in their parish, how would you say that they could maybe approach their pastor to start this process? Like, hey, we need to identify in our community which parishioners have charisms so that we can build up the body of Christ here. We can build up our community. Like, how how does someone do that? If, if the pastor's not doing it, if the pastoral team is not doing it, if there is one... Mm-hmm. Like, where does someone get the courage to do that? And how would you approach a pastor? I don't think you give the pastor another job. That's yeah. going to be a no. <laughs> yeah. You know, you might present a vision and you might present a plan. You might say, I think, see, before you can have people identify their charisms, there has to be the new Pentecost. So you have to start with a program that baptizes them in the Holy Spirit, that, that, that gives them an opportunity to receive their own personal Pentecost. Mm-hmm. So that's the start. So you would go to your parish priest and say, look, I've heard some great things about this Christ Life program. There are, it's, it's three seven-week sessions. The first one is, is discovering Christ, and, then it, and, and in that you discover who Jesus is. The second one is about following Christ, so it's about developing a prayer life and appreciating the sacraments, particularly reconciliation and confirmation. And then the third one is about sharing Christ and evangelizing. There's a process. Christ's life presents a process of teaching people, releasing them in the, in the charisms and teaching them about how to share Christ. Mm-hmm. So you need, so you go to your pastor and say, okay, if, if we organize this for the parish, uh, would you support it? Would you come? First of all, the the, par- the parish priest has to not just say, "There's something that uh, we're going to run a program, and if you think you're interested in it, you might be interested in it, no. then then come and join it." They have to be invested. If the parish priest is not invested, the people that are sitting in the pew that are that that are not what Sherry Waddell would call your invested Catholics, uh, th- then they're going to go. Well, Father really doesn't. Yeah, this isn't really that important. Or he no. say it like it was. He would be committed to being part of it. Mm. So I would say you you bring him a plan, and you 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 don't give him more work. You ask him to journey with you as you do the work and be present. His presence is so important. The people just if you're running Alpha, people want the priest there just for confidence and to know okay, this is important because he's coming to it too. He's invested in it too, so I can invest too. 
And, and, and then what they're hearing has the authority of the church behind them. Like if I'm sitting there and I'm hearing something I'm not quite comfortable with or I'm not quite sure about it, I'm going to look over at Father Daniele and he's okay with this and I'm going to feel, okay, I guess I'm okay with this too. I mean, that's part of the role of the pastor, right? I mean, is, is that shepherding and is that... And the baptism of the Holy Spirit yeah. is outside of most Catholics' box. Yeah. That experience of what that, that is that brings this awakening mm-hmm. is outside of most people's box. And, and so, yeah, we, we're looking for the security of our pastor to be there and, and to say, yes, this is right. Just Now, you said that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one thing, though, before that is, before you approach your pastor, you already said it, but didn't say it to this situation, you're going to get your prayer team in, on their knees, and you're going to be praying for that intercession, right? Because that's going to be an important part of, and maybe it's your pastor that is one of the walls, <laughs> you know, and maybe it's, but, but it's, it's to take it to prayer, to pray about it, bring it to the Eucharist, bring it to adoration, if you have adoration going on, bring it, and maybe you're going to be meeting once a week with just a prayer team that you can pray about it. One of the things I, I, I remember hearing um, when I was in Thunder Bay, um, they're talking about Billy Graham, the old the old TV preacher or whatever else, and, and thousands of people coming. Before he would go anywhere, if you asked him to come to, let's say, North Bay, he would send a team to come interview and make sure what's going on. But then he would send a team to put on a mini retreat to have people evangelize to the point where they're going to commit to pray. So he has a small prayer team that's going to be praying every single day for the thing that they're doing in a year from now. So it's the small baby steps of the of that of the prayer of that intercession uh, before you can actually make any big steps. And I think that's one of the big things that happened. I know from in North Bay was you had that intercessory team that was praying well, quite a bit. Right? And we we didn't even know when we were meeting that we were an intercessory team. We had the new evangelization summit in 2015. Yeah, and uh, the P- Scott Hahn, uh, Scott Hahn talked. It was a number of Kevin Uzinski talked, but. But what they were saying is the church needs to begin to evangelize. Mm-hmm. And the people that w- were there, we had a, um, it was simulcast. It was in Ottawa, but it was simulcast. So we had 178 people that attended and from here uh, at, at the auditorium. And the, the talk stirred the people up. They wanted more from the church. They wanted to give more, and they wanted the church to be more. They wanted this vision of evangelization to come alive in the church. And so what we decided to do was we would meet and allow the, the people to debrief. What did you hear? In small, so we did that the following Saturday. What did you hear, and what do you want to happen? What do you think our next move would be? And so... Uh, of the 178 people that came, half of them came on the Saturday to debrief, and and then when when the three and the three priests were also present, and they listened to what the people said and listened to their suggestions for next steps in in making our 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 region a, a center of evangelization, and then they said, okay, there's so many ideas. You, we're a little bit overwhelmed and we don't really know what the vision is because it's so new we need to go and step back and we need to meet as pastors and pray together and, and decide. So we decided, okay, we'll meet in six weeks and we'll hear back from the priest. Well, we continued to meet every six weeks for a year and a half. It wasn't for four months that I realized what was happening was we were that intercessory prayer team yeah. meeting every six weeks on a Saturday morning for two hours and praying for this vision of evangelization to unfold and then finally the pastors got together and said it's time we're ready to do this what program should we do we chose Christ life and it was 
we ha we took in uh, two and a half years we took 650 600 people through following Christ which is the program to baptize people in the Holy Spirit to give them a personal Pentecost 650 I've been involved in the charismatic renewal for decades and offering a program like this I might get one or two people from the parish come yeah. Because it's charismatic, and I'm not sure about this is outside my box. I'm not really comfortable with tongues. I'm not comfortable with with, with prophecy. I, like it's, yeah. you know. But but did it as an evangelization program. Built an environment where they were open to receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the priests were there. And the <laughs> priests were there for every single uh, time we offered it, offered yeah. a program through the seven weeks of each of those programs. Yeah. Yeah, but that's intercessory prayer, breaking down the walls. It took a year and a half, but the fruit is there, and we're still seeing the fruit. We see the fruit last at, at our Pentecost retreat with, uh, with um, the, the Father Daniele teaching about the charisms to people from the parish, mm -hmm. not the charismatic renewal, but people from the parishes in the area that want to grow in the charisms. That's, that's a beautiful sign of the Holy Spirit Reemerging in the church, Cardinal Sunan said, in in the 60s, he was Cardinal Sunan was responsible for the charismatic renewal when it started. It started from the Ark and the Dove Center, 12 university students, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, just like at Pentecost. In in six years, it spread to 71 countries across the world. The charismatic renewal, and so the church asked Cardinal Sunan to kind of shepherd shepherd this and one of the things he said a prayer he was giving a homily and he said may the charismatic renewal disappear as such and become a Pentecostal grace for the entire church the whole church he said to be faithful to its origin the river must flow back into the ocean the river here that must flow back into the ocean is the charismatic renewal that has to disappear as a movement as a group as as people looking at it as okay they're the guys that meet in the parish hall on Thursday, in the basement yeah. of the church on Thursday, but reemerge with the essence of the Holy Spirit into the parish so that people are baptized in the Holy Spirit, people are learning to attune their ear and develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, people are becoming aware of their charisms. That's what he foresaw. That was his prayer. May the, the, the charismatic renewal disappear as such, as a group, and reemerge in the church is a Pentecostal grace for the whole church because it's the whole church that needs to evangelize, not a group over here that's serving the people that come to the prayer group. Basically, to come back and be fully Catholic, to be to make it to, to be fully Catholic means to have that to fully live out your baptismal yeah. call. Yeah, right. That's yeah, great. to be holy and to evangelize. You um, mentioned uh, the gift of tongues. Yeah. So I want to talk about that a little bit because. It's such that's a sticking something point. that's such <laughs> a one. sticking point for people. And like I said at the beginning of this episode, uh, you know, people kind of use that as like, oh, this is uh, this is not for me. I shut down uh, the whole thing because whole of thing. this particular Those point. are the people who use certain, you know, gestures and language. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the gift of tongues? What it is how it's inspired, what its purpose What the church teaches is. and maybe some saints that have used it. Yeah. There are, there are three different kinds of tongues. And so um, um, 
and that's important to know because because sometimes when the Bible speaks about tongues, it's speaking about one of the three kinds of tongues, and so um, so you well there's no interpretation for that you shouldn't be saying it because yes. nobody interpreted it but there is uh, um, glossolalia is is praise tongues and glossolalia is a is a gift of a prayer language that the person doesn't understand okay. I don't understand as I pray in tongues but what it does is it puts I don't have to put into words what's in my heart about the Lord. I can pray from my heart without forming the thoughts that express the desire of my heart. They can just flow through me. It's, I always um, see it and I've experienced it like, I don't need words. It's like two lovers. If they love each other, looking into each other's eyes, gazing into each other's eyes is enough. Mm -hmm. You don't need words to say, everything that's in your heart because it's so difficult it's so full and so difficult to say but you're given this prayer language because we're physical beings and we we want to express with our hands and with our voice sometimes people sing in tongues because they have that gift to express their love for the lord and who he is for their life so that's prayer tongues and it it's the one gift all the other gifts and including the the other gifts of tongues they're all for the community you don't get a charism for yourself. Yeah. It, I, I'm, if I have the charism of healing, it's not for me. <laughs> and it's my for, heart is filled. Yeah, yeah it's for, the, for me to use in the community, for the Lord to use in the community. But the gift of prayer tongues, uh, glossolalia as the church calls it, yeah. edifies me because it brings me into focus with the Lord. It brings me into a heart-to-heart -heart relationship with the Lord. It is such a wonderful gift. But again, it's like trying to explain color to a blind, somebody that sees in black and white. It's yeah. so difficult until you experience uh, the love that's there and the, and the beauty that's there in your prayer. It's very difficult to explain. I, it, it makes sense to me as you're saying it, because like I was just listening this morning to uh, Father Mike Smith talk about the Catechism in a year, and he was, t he was focusing on how we are body and soul, and those two can't separate until time of death. You know, until like, so because we are body and soul, it means that we have to put physical action or physical something to our spiritual realities. That's why we have sacraments, our yeah. physical outside. To, that's kind of what he was focusing on. But that kind of makes sense as well with tongues. I mean, is, is this form of praying, which we put to verbal use sometimes, you know what I mean? To be, because it, it overflows. Like we have to because our, our, our soul is just overflown. It's like a well springing up from ourselves. And, and because we're body and soul, it just happens. It just, you know. Yeah. So. The way I, I experience charism, the charism of tongues often prayers is a welling up from the heart. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And 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 I, if you concentrate on your voice, you concentrate on the words. You you're focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah. The focus is on Jesus. The focus is on the Father or the Holy Spirit. It's about praising them and giving your heart to them. And then it happens. The people that have the hardest time being released in this charism are the people that are intellectual, because they want to figure it all out first before they submit to it. But all of the charisms demand submission to the Holy Spirit, yeah. or they are not expressed. Yeah. They have to. And charism, uh, tongues is one of those that you, you learn how to submit to the Holy Spirit as it, 
as it's released in you. Think, think of someone trying to pray for healing. Well, if I put my fingers exactly like this, do they heal more than if I put them? Like that's the intellectual thought that I have. I'll like put my hand on your shoulder. But if I put three fingers on, do they get healed more than four fingers? Or You know what I mean? The focus so, is all up here Yeah. when the focus needs to be here. Down here. And just being an instrument. And that's, that's the point we were making before about, you know, the, the charisms are more than just a talent because sometimes we can edify ourselves where it's it's the purpose is yes. for the uplifting of the church and always of, of always others. yeah always for the direction of the building up of the church the building up the kingdom of god making the parish a center of evangelization that effectively can evangelize can I'm i wonder- talk about the other two sure, yeah. Yeah. because i'll just talk I'll just close this up by talking about xenoglossia yeah and the other one is similar to it xenoglossia is the kind of tongues that you that they talk about in acts too that the apostles had when the holy spirit fell on them so there's, they're Galileans and they're speaking, but there are, I counted them this time as the gospel was, there are 15 different nationalities around, 15 different languages, people surrounding them. Uh, 15 are named in the Bible. Uh, but they're all hearing them in their native tongue. That's, yeah. That's xenoglossia. Um, I've ex- and it happens. I've experienced it in my life three times, where uh, I, some, I was just praying in tongues, in, in praising in tongues, and somebody came up to me and said, where did you ever learn to speak Polish? <laughs> I, I haven't spoken Polish in my life and still don't. In another prayer meeting, somebody came up to me, she was Native, and said, um, I know you work with Native students. Did you learn to speak Ojibwe? No, no. She said, well, you were speaking Ojibwe and this is what you said. But it was more for her than for me. I was just praying. Yeah. I didn't know she was hearing me in that language. No idea. Mm-hmm. It just happened to me uh, a few months ago on Zoom. I pray with a group of prophetic intercessors every Monday. We were praying for the bishops and the priests in Canada, in the church in Canada. We start by praying in tongues always. And then she stopped and said, uh, Brian, I know you don't speak Spanish. I said, no. She said, okay, this is what you just said. So this, this gift is still alive. We don't hear about it a lot, but it's still there. And the Lord, I don't know where, I, I don't understand it. Yeah. And I, I don't know I'm expressing it when I'm expressing No idea I was speaking Spanish. Didn't sound Spanish to me. What, yeah. what, I mean, my tongues don't sound Spanish. So, I, hmm. But there's somehow, there's something supernatural happening yeah she needed to hear something and she needed to to know that and so so the lord let it happen right? using you as an instrument yeah and just and you don't need fine. to know the tune you're playing i didn't need, <laughs> didn't need to know yeah and the third kind is is when it's it's like that when tongues is spoken out and then there's an interpretation somebody else understands it as a prophetic word for the community and so knows what the Lord is saying. There's just an understanding. They don't understand the, the tongues that were spoken, but they understand the message the Lord wants spoken out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's, that's the interpretation the, of tongues. So that's very much like xenoglossia, right? Where there's an interpretation to, um, that the person can speak of. Now, just because I, I heard you speaking a little bit about this before, and it kind of really, for me, um, I don't want to say justified it, but it really clarified things, that these are gifts in the church. We have popes. Uh, in the past that have I, I looked it up so the two that I know not the popes I'll let you talk about popes but the two uh, Padre Pio 
and Maximilian Kobe were the two when I was Google searching. These are two two of our saints that prayed in tongues and are known to pray in tongues in public. Um, he like Padre uh, Maximilian Kobe, sorry, was praying in tongues and recorded as such by the Nazis in the uh, in the cell before he died. And um, uh, Padre Pio was the same thing. He was he was known Tree, to pray in tongues. And many many saints, but they're not reserved for the saints. No, Teresa yeah. uh, of Avila too. And it's a beautiful story that Father the Cardinal Cantal Massa relates about um, the Saint Pope Jean Paul II. He, Cardinal Canalamas is very, very involved in, in leading the charismatic renewal. He sits on the charism board now, the 18-member board that meets in, at the Vatican, and he's their ecclesial um, assistant mm -hmm. for for Charis International. And but, so this is before a number of years before he's the pre preacher to the papal household from John Paul for Benedict and for Francis. All three have had him, so he's been preacher to the papal household for decades. But Jean -Paul, Pope Jean-Paul came to him one day and said, I want glossolalia. I want the gift of glossolalia. Can you pray for me? And he said, sure, I'll pray for you. And so he prayed for him for a release of the gift of glossolalia, a gift of praise tongues. And he finished praying. And the Pope thanked him, but nothing happened. It was fine. Went away. They went away. Two weeks later, Cardinal Canlamas is at the end of this one hallway, and the elevator doors open at the other end of the hallway. It's a far way away. And the Pope, Pope John Paul, is stepping out of the elevator and sees Cardinal Canlamas, waves at him, Cardinal, I got it, I got it, I got Brasilia. <laughs> it was two weeks later, though, that he received and was released in the gift. Yeah. And we see that often when we pray for people for that gift. People receive it, for example, in the shower, where they f they're usually singing in the shower, they forget. They forget about themselves and are just singing, and all of a sudden, it comes out. Out comes this gift because yeah. they're not focused on themselves. They're focused on praise. They focus on just yeah. giving God glory for who yeah. He is, yeah. and out it came. It's awesome. Okay, so tongues is one of those things that a lot of people like. We we're talking about. There's so there's different kinds of tongues, but a lot of times, uh, I know like it, there's a difference because people. Um, have visions or prophecies or there's a Bible reading it speaks to their heart so they know this is from God because it spoke directly to a specific situation whereas in tongues I mean other than prophetic tongues um, there's not really that same necessarily correspondence when you're doing praise tongues or, or those types of things so people can have a different opinion about when they hear tongues because they don't have that confirmation necessarily in their life when they hear someone praying in tongues in the background does that make sense? Yes you, it, it, you could because it's outside your box of experience. Yeah. If you have discernment of spirits, you will have no problem with tongues. Yeah. Because okay. you will know it's from the Lord, and you will be sensing. You will know that you know. Yeah. If you don't have the, then then it's outside your box, and you kind of go, well, this is really weird. Why would somebody want to babble like that? Like, what yeah. good is that doing? But it's understanding the depth. There's something happening at the spiritual level, that that isn't isn't being with praise tongues. Glossolalia, not being witnessed because it edifies the person. Yeah. All the other gifts edify the community. They're, they're for the building up of the community, not praise tongues. It's for the, person. the one that's different. Mm -hmm. It edifies the person because you're expressing your love for the Lord and he's expressing his love for you. Your, your heart is touched. Now, it is for the community in the sense, um, if you have a group of people praying and singing in tongues all together, then the person that's having a hard time entering into praise is drawn up into the praise 
by everybody else's praise and worship. Yeah. They, so it is edifying for the community in that sense. But the, you've got to let yourself be drawn. It's a decision that you make to, to um, submit to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart, right? Mm. If you remain guarded, well... Well, you said complete surrender to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But, like, uh, so for me, when I, was, when I was growing up, that was never something that we were exposed to. Like no. We had never exposed to that uh, gift of tongues. And so, I mean, now I, I'm exposed to it. So I know a little bit about, a little bit about it, not yeah. as much as you guys. And, <laughs> yeah. you know. But um, what, what do you say to people? Like some people say that's not a Catholic thing. That's more of a Pentecostal tradition. That's more of a whatever it might be. What do you say to people who say, what are Catholics doing? Talking about, like there are some people who feel uncomfortable it, with it, the gifts of tongues. It, it's biblical. It's in the Bible. It's it's all through Paul's writings, to his letters to to everything. I mean, it comes up again and again in Scripture uh, about tongues. And if you are discerning as you read about the tongues, you will know which one is being referred to. They don't. Which one of the three? Which one of the three? They don't. They don't necessarily call them different things, but. From what is said, when it says that, when Paul says that, you know, um, I would rather preach five words prophetically than speak 5,000 in tongues, he's speaking about prophetic tongues because it's saying it edifies me, but the five word edifies the community, and that's what I would prefer to do. Yeah. Right? So he's speaking about praise tongues. If, yeah. if you don't know that there are three different kinds of tongues and you're thinking, well, everybody's going to underst understand their own language, what tongues means. Well, right. well, no, they're referring to the other kind of tongues. Yeah. But the Bible doesn't separate them. Yeah. But they're all there if you can read with an understanding of the three kinds. You can identify exactly which one is happening. What, what they mean. Yeah. What they that mean and what's happening. Yeah. And this... But we're never taught it. Right. We're not taught it in the Catholic Church about this beautiful prayer language that God wants to give so that you're edified. It's a charism, correct? It's, a so, it's the least of the charisms because it edifies the person. The praise tongues is the least of the charism because it edifies you. And that's why it's the least of the charisms. I see. Everything else is for evangelization. Everything else is to edify the community and build yeah. up the community, to build up the kingdom of God. Yeah. But it's, it's a charism still in the sense that it's a gift, right? It's a gratuitous gift. Yeah. So would you say that like not everyone has this gift? Just like not everyone has the gift of hospitality, not everyone has the gift of administration or music. Not everybody has the gift of uh, all the gifts. I mean, the gifts are situational, so the Lord can give you the gift when he wants you to have the gift. Um, but the church doesn't make a pronouncement on this, so I want to be careful in how I say it. Um, some, some people, like Bishop Scott, would say um, not everybody receives the gifts of tongues. Mm. He would say that out, outright. I would say, if I was God and I wanted the community to work together, so I'm not going to give all the community, one person in the community all the gifts because they're going to need to depend on each other for the gifts to come. There has to be unity there. But if I'm giving a gift that edifies the person, and draws them into a love relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Would I withhold that from anybody? Mm -hmm. Would you think God wouldn't give that to you, but would give it to me? Well, it, it, it's, it's a thing that edifies me. 
he's not going to not give it to someone give not it the to you. I don't in my yeah. my understanding I think he, he it's a this is a gift because it edifies you it's different than all the other gifts I'm talking about praise tongues here uh, glossolalia yeah. it edifies you I don't think God would withhold it from anybody that's my personal opinion yeah. Yeah. but there are there are different schools of thought with that and the church has made a discernment I mean a, a pronouncement on which way what, what is actually yeah it, this is this is one of the ways it, it doesn't need to no yeah you know, because people that that say, oh, "Well, I want the gift and don't have it," okay, well, maybe, maybe the Lord didn't give it to you, or maybe you're you're bound. Yeah, so he's preventing that gift. And, and on the, I don't know which. Like you know, yeah. that's a good point about being prevented. So someone could be prevented from receiving or fully living out their charism because of because of sin or because of. Uh, uh, not being very open to the Holy Spirit, whatever it might be, yeah. that's for every charism. Every right? single not charism, just the gift of tongues. No, a... every single charism demands submission to the Holy Spirit, and if could... in obedience. But but there's an interesting thing here. I can I can pray in tongues when I could pray in tongues right now if I wanted to. It's a gift fully under my control. I can heal somebody when I want to. I can't heal somebody until the Lord wants them healed. I can pray yeah. for healing, but the healing happens when the Lord decides they're going to heal. I, I can't speak prophecy. Yeah. Uh, I can't make it out. I can't just say, well, this is... Prophecy comes when the Lord gives it, mm-hmm. right? I'm not in control of any of the other charisms, but tongues. I can pray whenever I want. So when I, I was a guidance counselor for much of my career as a teacher, when I kids would come and talk to me and, and unload their, their struggles and reveal their heart to me, I would always be praying in tongues because I don't know what this person needs to hear. I don't know what the Lord wants to do with the person's heart. I want him to tell me, mm-hmm. this is what I need you to say to this person. So I'm praying. See, because you're praying in to- you can pray in tongues without saying anything verbally. In my own heart, I can pray in tongues. I don't need the words to come out my mouth. Mm-hmm. Right, it's a heart movement, so I can pray in tongues, and my mind can still be focused on what the person is saying, mm-hmm. but my heart attentive to the movement of the spirit in the conversation. That's key. That's such a beautiful, powerful gift. Mm-hmm. Then you know what you're speaking in response to the person is coming through from the spirit. You're you're, you're stepping. You you, you want to be out of the road. Lord, I, this kid is suffering. He needs, and for confession, it's a, it's a beautiful thing too. This person needs to hear your voice and what you're going to give me to say, because they need to be set free or whatever it is. And so you would say that the gift of tongues. So as you're praying in tongues in that in that scenario specifically, you're praying quietly and you're not being heard, obviously. No. It just kind of uh, quietly. But as as you're doing that, it's your heart making the plea to God. While your mind is focused on the student in front of you or the person in front of you, yeah. and so because of that, God can work through you because you're surrendering completely through the gift of tongues. While so, then when it's time to speak, you don't speak, you know, in tongues. You speak in 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 real English, but you're for like you're surrendering yourself completely to be an instrument of God through the tongues. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and another thing that I should mention yeah. now is that when you don't know how to pray, what does the Bible say? The Spirit prays through you and groans to, that you don't understand. It, talking about tongues. Yeah. Whenever you're in a prayer, you're praying for somebody, like the person is praying, desires healing or desires whatever, pray in tongues because yeah. you don't know what 
the Lord wants to do with this person. Pray in tongues, you're always praying the will of the Father into the situation. If you're praying in tongues. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's such a, a wonderful gift it, for the community to embrace. But, yeah. but, but we've, we've set up such barriers to receive it and to be freed and unbound by it. And that's usual, though, Brian, for uh, something that the Holy Spirit has given us. We set barriers around it. So it is a, it is a gift that maybe that's misunderstood. Yep. But, you, but there are many things in our, in our faith tradition that the Holy Spirit gives us. I mean, you know, look around our, our communities, our families, or whatever it might be. You know, so, much, so many barriers are put up to some of the Holy Spirit. But it takes time, right? The Lord prevails. God conquers all things. So, you know, uh, I think that maybe more people will come uh, to appreciate that gift. Just like people should, uh, should appreciate the other charisms as well and see them, identify them. As gifts from God, gratuitous gifts. Gratuitous, yeah, just gifts you from God. I I have a question about, um, you know, we've spent all this time talking about charisms, talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about certain gifts, how to activate them. Like it's been a beautiful conversation. Does the church give any caution about any of the gifts? Like, does the church say, well, well that's not a charism, <laughs> or? Or does the church say, what is the appropriate way to live out the charism? Yeah. Okay. What I would say first is the Lord chooses who has what charism. We don't. And so, so living out the charism demands this openness. Sometimes we think, okay, I want the charism of leadership because I want to be in control. Right. Well, yeah, I, can, yeah. I can guarantee you God's that not gonna you give will it. not have that gift. Right? Yeah, yeah. I want, uh, I, want, I want to speak prophecy, but if you, have, if you have a tendency to be manipulative, that gift will not be yours. Yeah. The Lord knows your heart and knows what is going to sanctify you in yeah. using the gifts and what's going to help the community where you're not going to get all tangled up in, in sin because of a charism you're, 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 you want to express. Mm -hmm. he, he wouldn't do that to us, right? So that's the first thing. He gives the charisms. We don't, we don't choose them, Yeah. right? The other thing is we've got always the humility and trust are key, key to express, to express charisms powerfully. The more humble I am, the more I can, can desire the Lord's will and not my own in the situation, the more his love and his power can flow through the prayer I have for, or, or, the, or the charism I'm expressing, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. The more I can get out of the road, the more his power and his glory is revealed. So I would say a lack of humility is going to bind the charism. Mm -hmm. A lack of trust will buying the charism. Charisms often are risky. Uh, when the Lord gives you a prophetic word and, and the prophetic word involves correction, it's a hard word to deliver, right? Because you know, it, although it's truth, you're opening yourself up to persecution, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, yeah, there's got to be this humility and this trust in God that you, you care about God's glory, not about your own. Mm -hmm. and, and if you don't have that humble heart, it's, it, it, it binds the charism. 
So we just have a few minutes left here before we have to. We, we didn't say, yeah, yeah, we didn't say the third one though. Oh, there was a third one. Yeah, I thought you said the but, humility. No, humility and trust, but then the presumption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Presuming that we we dealt with it a little bit before. Presuming that since I have the gift of healing, I can decide that I'm going to heal this person that is has a broken leg. I'm going to heal them. Yeah. No, that's. That is not. That's presumption. Mm-hmm. The, you, the Lord gives you this ministry, and you may have a gift of healing, but it's always to ask the Lord what He desires, and you move when you know the desire, mm-hmm. and not not before. We may ask for healing. We may ask the Lord to heal the person. You know, if we're not sure, yeah, uh, we're not sure if the person is healed, then absolutely ask. Yeah, but don't presume because be you're the healer. Or, or presume what, what God wants to speak in this prophecy to this person. Or well, like, this is the problem that's in their life that they need healing in. Or, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah it's so, always okay. no presumption, being humble, trusting. Where does someone receive more information? Like if, if someone's listening and saying, hey, like, how do I figure out my charisms? Where, where's a good resource to send people? I mean, you could always Google charisms of the Holy Spirit and read them. Yeah. Like, where are some but if you want, resources uh, that you can recommend? If you want an authentic Catholic uh, sense of charism and a Catholic understanding of charism, that's one of your concerns. Because many people, because the charism renewal uh, came, uh, came, a, well, came about after, it, after the Pentecostals received the grace, the Catholic Church received it about 50 years later, right? Because we weren't yeah. open and ready. We weren't ready for it. Um, so many people are, are think that this is, this is Pentecostalism. Yeah. And they don't understand that it is, yeah. it is a gift that the Pentecostal Church has, but it's a gift that the Catholic Church has yeah. as well. There's a book called Clothed with Power from on High. It's written by Bishop Scott McCaig. He's yeah. the ordinariate for the military in Canada. He's just written, it's just been published. It's really truly hot off the press. It's called Clothed with Power from on High, a short catechism on charisms in the life and the mission of the church. The foreword is by uh, Dr. Mary Healy. There's a, there, uh, Ralph Martin makes a comment about it. So does um, Peter Herbeck. Matt Frad as well is read, and there's a comment about it. But I, I would suggest that it's available um, through Word Among Us. They're the publishers of it, so you can go to their website to get it, or you can order it on Amazon. Uh, I think it's $12 or 12 something. It's a little book. It takes about it takes an afternoon or an evening to read. Mm-hmm. Two and a half hours is probably all you need to read it, um, and it will really. I mean, bishops are given a teaching authority in the church. Part of their ordination gives them this this teaching authority in the church. And to have a bishop speak to us about a Catholic perspective of the charisms is such a gift for the Catholic Church. This is a book that's going to be used by pastors and bishops and lay people like us for decades to come. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a reference we go to to seek the truth about the charisms because it's He's a he's his one of his greatest charisma is teaching. He's a wonderful teacher, and it comes out in the way he presents this. It makes so much sense. To um, it's so readable, and it, you just kind of you get it as you read through it. Mm-hmm. And and it's set up so it asks questions and then answers questions. So if you have a question about um, uh, how do I know I have a charism? It has got a question. Yeah. These are the three ways you would know you have a charism. Cool. Yeah. 
Well, Brian, uh, I just want to thank you for uh, spending time with us today to talk about the, the charisms of the Holy Spirit. You know, obviously, you know, you you can just tell by your your presence, your words, that the Holy Spirit is with you. So, uh, being someone who uh, follows the prompting of the Holy Spirit is evident in your life, you. and so thank you for coming on our episode to uh, share that with us. Uh, Josh, I'm going to speak for you too. You're also grateful. But <laughs> of course. <yeah. laughs> this is your dad. <laughs> yep, exactly. So there you go. Uh, but thank you. And if, if anyone has any questions uh, about charisms of the Holy Spirit, you can send us an email at askus at thecatholicbuzz.com. We could also send them over to Brian for you if uh, <laughs> we uh, don't know the answers ourselves, yep. right? And uh, I'm sure Brian would be happy uh, to stay connected with us and answer questions uh, that we get. But thank you very much. And God bless you in your continued ministry. And I know uh, you lead so many people to discover their own charisms. So, uh, you. Uh, you know, we always pray for you. So, you know, thank we'll you. keep praying for you. All right. Thank you. Need Thanks uh, for tuning in for these uh, the two episodes where we've talked about uh, the charisms of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Matt Van Milligan will be back with us uh, next uh, episode. Uh, but for Brian Sullivan and Josh Sullivan, my name is Father Daniele. We'll see you next time on the Catholic Buzz. <laughs>